Welcome. I see you all. Bardock, Bushy Tail, Smiling. Uh, we are awake. And some laughing. Yes. I love that. Great. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and um, reading from verse 1. Hebrews chapter 11 from verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered a God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man. And when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith we still... He still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to that city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that are looking for a country of their own. If they have been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Not too long ago, we, uh, we were riveted as we were told that a group of youngsters and their, their coach, their soccer coach, were trapped in a huge cave. And uh, the rains had come and that had trapped them. They couldn't come out. And so some rescuers, some professionals uh, tried to get in. The one 
chap died. He lost his life trying to rescue him. Rescuers came from other parts of the world, and eventually these young people and their coach were rescued. Wasn't that an amazing time uh, of celebration? And it just captured captured the world. I don't know if it captured you at the time and you were praying for, for them. Heroes. They were heroes. And, and, and the world loves a hero. The world loves a hero. And here is just such a person. Abraham is a hero and he's worthy to be followed. A wonderful example that he sets before us. God called him out of darkness. God, God wooed him and God used him in his purposes and set him apart. He plays an important part in the purpose of God in Hebrews chapter 11. He and Sarah uh, are mentioned quite a few times in this chapter. They have more mentioned than anybody else in the heroes of faith. This is a whole chapter on our, on our heroes of faith. Now, even today, even today, uh, he's viewed with reverence amongst Jews and, and um, Muslims and, and Christians alike. Although he is viewed with a great distinction today, he's thought of highly today, in those days, he probably was laughed at when he left Ur of the Chaldeans because he didn't know where he was going. That's what the word says in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go, obeyed even though he didn't know where he was going. It wasn't that he didn't know if he was Arthur or Martha, but he just didn't know where he was going. God didn't tell him the whole picture. Noah was laughed at, was he not, when he built this huge big ship, 140 meters long, three decks high. It hadn't rained, it hadn't warranted it. And he, there he was building the ship uh, year, year after year. They laughed at him. And so Noah and, and Abram were, were no doubt laughed at. Um, because of the crazy things that they did, the unusual things that they did. Why, why did they do these things? Because God told them to do it. And that's the main thing. They did it despite the fact that they were, they were laughed at and despite the fact of what, what they knew people were, were saying about them. That didn't matter to them. And, uh, folk, we, as we serve the Lord, uh, we will possibly be laughed at as well. I've been laughed at at times. Because those who are in the world do not understand God. They do not understand the things of God and the ways of God. But we must never let that put us off from serving God full out with our whole heart. It doesn't matter what people say, right? It matters what God says. That's the important thing. So the, the first thing of, of, of great importance that we see in this passage is that Abraham listened to God. Abraham listened to God. Many people, including some Christians, have the understanding that Abram always had this, this relationship with God, but he didn't. He was called out of idolatry to serve the living God. In Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, it says, Long ago, before your forefathers, including Terah, the father of Abram and Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods, not Jehovah God, not the true and the living God, Nehemiah 9 and verse 7 says, You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. The inhabitants of Ur were worships, worshippers of Nanar, the, the moon god, and probably other gods as well. 
And so you can imagine what a bolt in the blue it was to Abram when, when God spoke to him, unannounced, unprepared. Can you imagine being in, in his place, in his shoes? And, 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 and here you're worshipping the gods that you were, you were always taught in this big, huge, big city. And, and here's the strange God. And he reveals himself to you. And he instructs, he instructs you to do, to do something. Why did, he, why did God choose this man, Abraham, out of this big city? It was a big city. It wasn't because he was better than anybody else. It wasn't because he had done something spectacular. It was God's free choice. It was God's free choice. He, he had nothing to boast about. And f- folks, we don't have anything to boast about either, do we? Because God singled us out and he, he wooed us, he drew us, he chose us in, in Christ. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, were proud and arrogant. They were bombastic. And, and they had no desire for the things of God. They had no desire to, to win the lost. They, they, they flew into Jesus because he, he was mixing with the wrong people, according to them. The wrong people were those who were far from God. Yeah, they were self-righteous. And the self-righteous do not have a heart for the lost. And we need to examine our own hearts and our own lives and see, do we have a heart for those who are lost? Or are we too self-righteous? We're thinking of ourselves. Only we have a ticket for heaven, and that's all that counts. No, it doesn't. We need to serve the living God. Abraham's faith response is truly remarkable when you consider that he didn't have the Bible. He didn't have a Christian fellowship like, like we enjoy. We were instructed week by week we go to fellowship group. We, he didn't have a mentor. He didn't have a pastor to, to help him, to instruct him, to teach him. Here this voice comes from God and, 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 and he would have wanted a place to go to and like check out who's this God? What, who's he, what is he all about? It's all the more remarkable that, that he responds. All he had to go on was the voice of God and his presence. Acts chapter 7 and verse 2 says, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia. Verse 3 says, Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to a land I will show you. On the strength of this word and on the strength of this encounter, he leaves, he goes, he listens to God, he responds to God. Do you think that he was fully persuaded that, that this was the God of glory? You can bet on it. Because, I mean, who would want to serve a dead idol when you've met with the living God? Folk, we have met with the living God. We have met with the living God. He broke into my life. And he shook my life around. I was like, whoa, I didn't know you were alive. I didn't know you existed. We cannot go back to dead idols when we've met with the living God. And An idol is anything that comes between us and God. No matter how good it is, it can be our work, our play, our sport, our family, our prestige, our power. Nothing should come between us and the living God. It's a dead idol. It's like a dead. It's like worshiping something in our, putting something in our house that's made of stone or wood. It's the same. God has to have our whole heart. You shall love the Lord of God with all your heart, mind, and and soul. He's the living God. 
God was spoke, spoke to him many times. Uh, when you look at Genesis chapter 12 through to 25, you discover that he spoke to him no less than seven times along the journey. And that's what God does. He doesn't just speak to us one-off. He keeps speaking to us. He keeps speaking to us. And Abraham listened up for the voice of God. And so should we. So should we. Because he wants to speak to us every day of our lives. A Christian said to me once, God has never spoken to me before. <laughs> and I said, no, well, you know, he doesn't usually speak audibly, although sometimes he, he does. But no, no, I mean, he hasn't spoken to me at all in any way. Yes, he speaks through, through the word of God. We can go to it every day. And, 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 and when we go to it with the right attitude, God will speak to us. God will speak to us. Read it through 25 times if you haven't, if you, haven't you know, if we're a bit dull of hearing. He speaks through sermons. He speaks through testimonies. He speaks through conscience. He speaks through circumstances. He speaks through prophecies, through word of knowledge. He speaks through the inner voice. He speaks through your, your self-talk. Have you ever experienced that? When you talk to yourself and God interrupts and breaks in, it's like, wow, that's, that's the voice of God. He speaks through visions and dreams. Many people have come to salvation in Muslim countries, as God has spoken to them in visions and dreams, as He has revealed Himself to us. God loves to speak to us. He loves to speak to us. He speaks to us more than we realize, recognize, and admit or want to be spoken to at times. We need to have ears to hear. Why? Why, why should we hear? Because it's God that's speaking to us. It's God. We're privileged to, to have God speak to us. Non-Christians can't hear, accepting repentance. You're a sinner. Why, why does He speak to us? Because He loves us. He loves us with a passion. He loves you with a passion. And people who love each other speak to each other, right? And people who love each other Listen to each other. A lot of marriages go down the tubes because people don't speak to each other very often or at all. And they don't listen to each other. And especially the men. Women say, hey, he doesn't listen to me. Men, have you heard that? Maybe, maybe God spoke to you way, way back and he's not speaking to you that much today. God will not speak to you if you haven't responded to the revelation that he's given to you in the past. Go back to that revelation. Respond to that revelation and he will give you new revelation, more revelation, deeper revelation. He wants to, he wants to expose his heart to you. I believe, I believe that those who have a heart for God understand much more of the things of God. They come alive to them. I want much more of a revelation of God. I hunger for it. Maybe you're here and you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm like, I'm like Abraham in Ur of the Chaldees. I don't know this God. I don't know. How, how can I know him? How can I know that he's speaking to me? He's speaking to you right now. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. We're talking to you about a living God in Jesus Christ. We're talking to you about a God who wants to break into your life and change your life and give you a glorious future. And use you extensively 
for his kingdom. Respond to him today. Respond to him today. Just sense this morning that God was speaking to someone, and I believe that God is speaking to someone today. And Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25 says, See to that you do not refuse him who speaks. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. He's speaking to you. It's a terrible thing to refuse the voice of God when, when he's spoken to you. Because you're the poorer for it. We'll be devastated if we don't respond to him. And secondly, Abram didn't only listen up for the voice of God, he obeyed. He obeyed God. Verse 8, Abram obeyed and went. According to Genesis 12 and verse 4, Abram was 75 years young when he followed God. We're never too old to come to salvation in God. We're never too old to to serve him wholeheartedly or serve him in, in a full-time capacity. Old age is no excuse for us. This morning I, I had a real sense that there was someone who was elderly and who had never responded to salvation. And someone came to me and spoke to me about believing in Jesus, but not believing that he was God. He is God. He is God. You know, Satan believes that he died and rose. But Satan is not a born-again believer. It's not a matter of believing that he died and rose. It's a matter of believing that he is who he is. He's God. He's either the greatest lunatic liar the world has ever seen, or he is God. There's no in-between. And he is God. He could not have gone to the cross and bore our sins because he would have been imperfect if he wasn't God. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Lord God Almighty. Respond to him now. Sense that God is speaking to you. Someone here today, respond to him. I, I, I read of a man who had been at a church for 20-something years before he responded to salvation. What a waste of time. What a waste of time. Respond to him now. Get on with the job of living. Life to the full. Age is no, should not be any deterrent or excuse to serve the Lord. My, my own dad accepted Christ at 80. Took a while to get there, but he got there. I, I heard a man by the name of, of Philpot, who was a Baptist pastor, 90 years of age, and he was, he was preaching the gospel. There's hope for us, Vickers. There's hope for us. Abram obeyed though he didn't know where, how, when, or why. He didn't know where, how, when, or why. And so should we obey. He didn't know where he was going. He didn't know how God was going to provide a son for him. He didn't know when God was going to give him the promises of glory. He didn't know why he had to give his son by way of sacrifice. He simply obeyed. You see, God didn't give him reasons or explanations. He simply gave him promises. Genesis 12 verses 1 and 2. I will show you, says God. I will make you. I will bless you. And I will make you a blessing. God's promises. Promise to show him the land. And he walked a step at a time. A day at a time. We walk by faith and not by sight. 
And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult because we want to see the whole picture. We want to see where we're going. We want to see what God is going to do. Sometimes he keeps that from us because we'll run away. Because either the vision is so great, we'll say, no. Or it's so hard, we'll say, no. But he shows us a step at a time. Abraham and Sarah were not perfect, were they? They were not perfect. And yet God called them according to his plan and purposes. And God has enshrined them in this book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Did you notice when you read through, or when you read through this book of, of Hebrews, it, it doesn't tell of all their imperfections. In other books it does, but not in this book. This book is focusing on the heroes of faith. They let led by example. There's no perfect person other than Jesus. So, you know, we're in good company when we are following the Lord and we're Abram. Where Abram uh, messed up, uh, he, he didn't say, oh, well, that, that's it. You know, I, I, can't, I can't serve Jesus. Wherever he went, in Genesis 12 and 13, it talks about, and in this portion in Hebrews, talks about his tent and his altar, wherever he went. He had the tent and the altar. And, and the tent was to demonstrate to the world that, that he served a living God, that this world was not his home, that he was a stranger and a pilgrim. He talks about him as, as, as an alien. You know, some people in America don't believe in aliens. But there are aliens. We are, we are those aliens. <laughs> we didn't come from other planets, but we're going, we're going to, to, be, to be with our Lord one day. So often we, we, we become root-bound. So often we think, well, well, this is it. This is the be-all and the end-all. This life is not the be-all and the end-all. We're going to live in eternity forever. That blows your mind, doesn't it? We kind of think, hey, I'm going to be here forever. And then I start getting, you know, a few pains and I think, no, I don't think I'll be here forever. Reach the age of 40 and you realize, no, hang on, whoa, you know, mm -mm, not going to be here forever. By faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 9, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in foreign lands. He lived in tents. Sarah, sorry, if you were thinking that you were going to have that wonderful homestead and you were going to settle down, forget it. He lived in tents. Wherever he went, he took his tent and his altar. His tent he took with him, his altars he left behind. To live in a tent for a hundred years, that's, that's how long. I mean, I like going camping, but a hundred years in a tent? I mean, where did he get his gas filled up? I, you know, maybe there, was, there were ACs along, along the way. But he sacrificed. He was willing to sacrifice. When I, when I see a portion of scripture like this, I think, would I be prepared to sacrifice like, like Abram and Sarah do? I've had some sacrifices. We've moved 15 times. And I can, I can, I can understand something of where he was at. But he was on the move all the, all the time. And then the altar, he would make an altar and just leave it. So, you know, you, you, you'd follow his trail. You'd, you'd follow his trail. That, it was a map because there was an altar and altar altar, an altar. Ah, yeah. This is the route that a Abraham took. And the altar demonstrated that he was a citizen of heaven and not of this earth. His altar declared to the world that he served a living God, the true God. 
And he was unashamed of it. And I wondered to myself, are we ashamed to declare who we belong to? Is, is it prominent in our lives, in, in our lifestyle, our attitude, our speech, what we do and what we don't do? In the old days it was a don't, 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 don't. But, but God wants us to show the world by the positive things that he's doing in our lives, that he is a living God. Abram trusted God thirdly. It must have seemed incredible and impossible to Abram and Sarah when God gave him this amazing promise that he was going to be the father of many nations and he was going to have this amazing um, happening. Genesis chapter 15 and verses 5 and 6, it informs us as to what God said to him. And, and he probably wavered. He probably had his doubts from time to time. And so God, God always comes with a, with a promise to us. And he reiterates that promise. Isn't God good? And he says to him in uh, this portion in Genesis 15, look, look towards the heavens and number the stars if you are able to number them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Hang on, whoa, I don't have any offspring. I'm past the age of childbearing. And he believed, and he believed the Lord. And he, it, counted, it was counted to him as righteousness. And then he reiterates it again later on in Genesis chapter 22. Look at the stars in the sky. Look at this, uh, the grains of sand in the seashore. So great will be your generation, the people. And he goes on to say, through your offspring, all peoples, all peoples on earth will be blessed. We're blessed through Abraham, are we not? We're living proof that Abraham responded in faith to God. He obeyed left and he went. Aren't you blessed to have Abraham as your father? He's our father. He's our spiritual father. We, 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 we grafted in to the vine and we grafted in to Abraham. That's our lineage. So, so how, how did this happen? Somebody asked the question at, at the cell group the other night. Where did the Jewish nation start? start? And I said, well, I'm just going to preach about that on Sunday. It started with Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Do you know that song? He was the first Jew. And God cut a covenant with him and said, I'm going to set you apart and the people. And so the Israelites, the Jews, they, they produced the Old Testament and, of course, the, the New Testament as well. And out of Israel came a savior, out of the lineage of Abraham came the Savior of the world, the only Savior. There's no other name in heaven and on earth whereby we can be saved, but through this one Jesus. And that's how amazing this man's journey was. We intertwined with him. We're linked to him. Hebrews 11, 11 says, it declares that Abraham considered him faithful, God, who had made the promise. I just love how Romans 4, 8, 18 uh, puts it. Uh, it says, against all hope, Abram hoped and believed and so became the father of many nations. Verse 19, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was almost a hundred and Sarah's womb was also dead. Against all hope, 
he hoped. And, and don't we go through those times? Against all hope, we're still hoping in God. When we can't see it, humanly speaking, and we're all going to go through tough times, like because we're saying we're not exempt from, from that. We're, you know, if, if God gave Christians everything they ever wanted all the time, the whole world will become Christians just, just because what, of what they could get materially out of God. There will be tough times and tremendous obstacles. And maybe we can't find the way through right now. But we need to trust God. We need to trust His promises. We need to trust His, his power and His purposes and His presence for us. We need to trust His promises, His power, His purposes and his presence in our hearts and lives. Remember that God keeps his promises in his own way and in his own time. There was a time when Abraham fretted and he ran to, you know, his wife told him, what about the servant girl? And, uh, you know, and he messed up in his own way, in his own time. And we need to wait. When we can see no solution, God often surprises us in the most unlikely way. He answers the prayer. Have you, have you found that out? I think I shared with you maybe about the house that we bought, which was an impossibility. It was a miracle that we could buy it with, with our, our financial situation. My salary was so big. And, um, and so we, we had this house, and then the, the interest rates started going up instead of going down. It went up to 22 and a quarter percent. That's it. At, my salary was on a par of what I was giving to the bank. But God, how, how do we live? And the church wasn't helpful. And uh, we said, okay, well, we believe in God. God is the God of the impossible. And he came out in the most unlikely way. To our surprise, Tony sent us an unexpected check which saved the day. 1,003 rands. It was a lot of money in those days. We lived on that for a year. Broke it up in little pieces. And we survived. And then Elaine got a job at the end of that. God is true to his promise. He said he was going to give us a house. It almost seemed like it was going to go away. But he came out for us. Warren Worsby says, Faith gives us eyes to see, feet to stand on when everything around us threatens us. And everything ahead of us looks like disaster. Abram was commended for his faith and trust in God. Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Now faith has been sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. This is what Abraham stands for. This is his challenge to us today is to live by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 and says that without faith it is impossible to please God. And he rewards those who come to him by faith. Abraham pleased God so much that he called him his friend. A rare thing in the, in the Old Testament. James in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 8. James also reiterates it in chapter 2 and verse 23. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. He calls us friends. Jesus said, I no longer call you servant, but I call you friends. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that marvelous? That we can be a friend of the God of glory. The God of this universe invites us to be his friend. 
Some of you might be saying, well, I've messed up so badly. I don't, I don't feel that I, I can be called a friend of God. Or I, I, I've messed up so often that I don't feel that I can be called a friend of God. God is not out there to rack up our, our defeats and to whack us at the end of the day. He's there to rack up our victories, our faith victories, and to reward us at the end of the day. Abraham messed up. Abraham messed up. We are called friends of God. Maybe you think, well, well, I feel so bad, I feel so dirty, um, but we need to repent if we're in that position. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to come to God and give fresh accounts with God. Abram's greatest test, and I'm coming in for landing, his greatest test of faith was of offering his son. Why would God call him to, to offer his son? He'd been waiting for years and years and years and years. And here was his pride and joy. His faith response was amazing. He reasoned that God could raise the dead. Verse 19, and figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from death. Can you put yourself in his position? I thought to myself, here I am. I've got the knife in my hand. Isaac is there. My son is there. Whatever your son's name is. And you're about to plunge this knife into him. Just that in, its, in itself is quite horrific. And then God make, makes him see the ram. Abraham was willing to give the, the best, the thing that he treasured the most. He was, he was willing to give his blessing to God. And folks, when you do that, you receive it back again. When we, when we offer God everything, we will be blessed. and We will be a blessing to others. What is it that we are holding on to that we treasure the most? Are you willing to give that up to God? And then he, as he sacrificed his son, was about to do it, he had a revelation of Jesus. John chapter 8 and verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, Jesus says. He saw it and was glad. And so Isaac was a type of Christ. He saw a heavenly father sacrificing his son, Jesus, fully man, fully God, perfect in every way, who would become the sin of the whole world. He rejoiced to see it and he believed. He looked into the future thousands of years ahead of time. We look back thousands of years backwards and we rejoice today. And we rejoice in God gave us that revelation of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He opened my eyes. I wasn't the believer of God. I thought, if, he, if he's there, well, why is the world in such a mess? Doesn't he care? Open my eyes. And I responded to him. And so did you. And if you haven't responded to him, and you don't have this conviction, God can give you this conviction today. Listening ears. We need to be obedient to him. We need to have faith. We need to have trust in this almighty God. Not by sight but it's by faith. 
what's our, what's our faith vision for this church? I believe that just as God blessed Abraham, he made him a blessing to the whole world. I believe God has called us at SBC to be a blessing to our world, to our city. And if we don't believe that, we, we really just need to pack up and go and you know, take our tent to the beach, be a hermit. We need to believe that. We need to be encouraged by that. Because God, Jesus said, greater things will you do collectively than I have done because I go to be with the Father. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He wants to use each one of us. I, I hope you're stirred up. I hope you're excited. I hope you're saying, God, what can I do? What should I do? What should I be involved in? Maybe he's called some, some folk uh, and he's told you things before, told you what to do and you've, you've not done it. You've not followed him. You've not obeyed like Abraham. And now's the time to step up to the plate. Now's the time to man up. Now's the time to say, God, let me do that. Let me do that. Oh God, our Father, how we thank you for this man's life. It challenges us to our core. His sacrifice, his, his uh, willingness to, to serve you. When he, had, he didn't have much revelation of you, much experience of you. Lord, we have your word, we have fellowship, we have cell groups, we have, we have everything that we need to aid us. And sometimes we just sit down and we vegetate. Forgive us, Lord. We want to be champions like this hero of our faith. We want our lives to count for you, Lord. And so we pray that your spirit will come upon us as a church collectively because we know that you, you, you work collectively through your body. We give ourselves to you for that. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.